to the Journey Church podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. We're in the middle of this sermon series. We, we are, I feel like I'm, I'm a doctor. Uh, and I, I know I would never call myself that. And so, uh, but I feel like I'm a doctor dissecting something. That's how I felt over in this series. Like we are piece by piece um, taking on something that doesn't get enough time in church, in my opinion, that is the most important message. And so we're, we're t- we're, if you haven't been here, we're opening up Matthew 28. There you go. And so 28, 19, or we've been saying 2, 8. And so, uh, and it's a reminder of the true north of the church. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So we started with why is the gospel so important? And if you've never been to church, just want to explain to you what the gospel is, why we're, why we're here. We're not here because we're a group of church people, religious people. We follow a bunch of rules and we hope there's a God somewhere out there that loves us. Here's, here's what the gospel says. Every one of us sins. Every one of us. Every person you're sitting by is a sinner. Our sin separates us from God both now and forever. And so when you die, um, you either spend eternity with God in heaven or in a place that the Bible calls hell. And we don't talk about hell lightly and go, oh, people go to hell. It breaks our heart. The Bible says that you you can make a decision on this side of eternity that decides that, right? And the decision is, I'm gonna put my faith in Jesus Christ who came and died on a cross for my sins, was placed in a tomb, and on the third day he rose in power. The Bible says anyone who calls on the name of Jesus, that's why I love this, everyone sins, and anyone who calls on the name of Jesus can be saved. Any situation, any background, any brokenness, any amount of shame, you come to Jesus, he'll save you, he'll set you free, he'll heal you, he'll begin a good work in your life. That's the gospel. You guys tracking with me? Okay, so we're supposed to share that. So we've been talking about what that looks like to share it. What is evangelism? Sharing something you love with someone that you love. It's simple. Sharing something you love with someone that you love. You do it in an understandable way. When do we do it? We do it in our normal everyday life. We're not starting an evangelism team here. We're not going to head out onto the street corner and freak out Phoenixville. We're not going to do that. We're going to teach you in your neighborhoods, in your, in, your, in, in, your, in, your, in your workplaces, in your schools, when you're at the grocery store, when you're, when you're going to the Eagles game. Even at the Eagles game, you can find a Cowboys fan and share the gospel with them. And so, right? and so we're, going to, we're going to share our faith in our normal everyday day, day life. Today I want to talk to you about the, the who. who. Who should you be sharing your faith with? What, what, how, do you, how do you do this? And next week we'll take a look at the how. Uh, I want to I land just quickly in Matthew chapter 4. And I want to show you how Jesus explains um, who to share your faith with or what that looks like. And so here, here's what he says in Matthew chapter 4. He's calling his first disciples. And so if you don't know what that is, Jesus came and he, he calls normal guys to come follow him. And for three years they follow him and he shares the gospel. He shares what he wants them to do. He leaves and those guys start the church and uh, the church has been in existence since then. Since then. And so um, the Bible says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They're, they're fishermen. They're normal guys, right? They weren't in church somewhere. Jesus didn't call them. They were fishermen. Um, the Bible says they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Jesus says this, come follow me, and I'm going to send you out to fish for people. I love that. 
come follow me, and I'm going to teach you to go fish for, for people. I'm going to teach you to take this, what I'm going to do in your life, to, to the world. So anybody uh, love fishing here? Love fishing? Come on. If you love fishing, put your hand up high. How many of you hate fishing? Some other guy in first service said, hey, thank you. Thank you for being another guy that doesn't like fishing, right? And I said, I don't know if you want to feel better about yourself because of me. And so, right? But I don't like fishing. I'm going to tell you why I don't like fishing. I, I know fishing's great. I know some people get, are, 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 you, you know, go out and you relax and you catch really big fish. You lie about and all that stuff, right? And so when I was 12 years old, I had my one and only fishing experience. Now, I've gone a couple times since. Eric, Vinay's uh, husband's taken me to, to a little pond over, over uh, by Copperfield Inn in Limerick, and we caught some sunnies one time, and, and uh, he tried to make me touch it. I was like, no, nah, I'm done. I'm done fishing. And so... <laughs> I don't want to touch the bait. I don't get it. And so, uh, and then you catch it. And what do you do most of the time when you catch a fish? You do what? Throw it back. I'm like, what are we doing? Let's fry these suckers up, right? Eat, right? And so, and so uh, um, I went fishing 12 years old. I stayed at my Grammy's house. This is very, very, um, I can like remember it like it was yesterday. My Grammy and Pappy lived in a double wide trailer um, in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. I think that's close to Wilkes-Barre. Wilkes-Barre is a different world. And so, uh, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, somewhere like that, Scranton, somewhere out there in the boondocks. And so uh, they lived on this land, and this land uh, had, had a pond on it, and then a pretty big yard, and then off the distance was a big lake. And they lived at the time with my, my dad's brother, their son, uh, my Uncle Terry. My Uncle Terry and my dad are, were distinctly opposite. My dad also was not an outdoorsman, and so um, he, if you ever see him, he dresses. If there was a Christian mafia, he would be in it. And so, <laughs> right, like he... You'll see him in a couple weeks. Like, he, he dresses up. He, he used to do housework in penny loafers. Like, he was that guy. He, was, he always looked good. In fact, we go to the same barber, and they always tell me, they say, why is your dad so much cooler than you, right? And so, and he is. And so, but he, he like, if you ask my, my grandparents when they were alive, he always was like that. He always cared about how he looked. He dressed nice. My Uncle Terry was an outdoorsman. They were completely opposite. And uh, outdoorsman, he tells me stories about how he would stay out past curfew fishing and just decide, I'm going to deal with the, you know, the ramifications of disobeying my parents because I love fishing so much. And so he, he loved fishing. So we stayed at the house, me and my, uh, I, I remember, I don't know why I was there, but my, un- my other cousin, Michael, was there. And we stayed with my Grammy and Pappy and Terry and his family for a few days. And I remember one day he was like, hey, tomorrow I'm going to take you fishing. I've never been fishing. So we went out this little pond, this little play pond he has, and we were casting the reels out and fishing. And I don't remember catching anything, but we were learning how to fish. And he was trying to teach me to catch, catch the, you know, is it throw the reel out, whatever it's called. I don't know what it's called. Dial it in. What is up? So we're throwing it out there, right? And so uh, casting your line. Is that what it's called? Casting. See, casting your line. And so you cast the line, not the reel. That's the thing. You don't throw that. And so, right? <laughs> I'd never been again, and so we went out, and so the next morning, he was like, hey, we're going to go, we're going to get up real early, we're going to go to that, we're going to go to that, that lake, we're gonna, I got a spot, I got a boat, we're going to go out, we're going to catch all sorts of fish, so we got up really early, I remember like it was, it was the first time I'd ever been up at five o'clock in the morning, <laughs> right, I'm giving you all the reasons I hate fishing, and so, so we get up, we get our clothes on, we go out, it's brisk, I don't remember what, what season it was, it's cold outside, we walk to the, to the lake, through this field, through these, the, 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 the forest, get to the lake, walking out to the lake. Another core memory. As we're walking to the lake, right before we get to the water, a big, huge black rat snake goes like this right across our feet. True story. I was like, I'm done. This is Satan. It's 5 o'clock in the morning, right? God's not even up. And so going by, we get in this boat. We, 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 we row out in the middle of the lake, right? We're 
fishing. We're there for hours. Hours. We're going to catch all these fish. How many fish we catch? Zero. Came back in. Had a bunch of reasons we didn't catch any fish. Bunch of excuses. And I never went fishing again. Don't invite me. No, I don't want to go deep, deep uh, sea fishing. No, I don't want to fish with you. You can catch it. I'll eat it. Right? Like it, and I never went again. And here's what I know about fishing. It's a lot harder than you think it is. You got to be in the right spot. There's fish down there. They don't want to be caught. <laughs> it takes time. You got to have the right demeanor. You got to be quiet. All right? I'm none of those. You got to be patient. You got to enjoy the process. And I think it's interesting because he's telling us something that uh, honestly is more work than, you, than, than it is. We're just going to go out and they're going to fish for men. Right? There's, there's strategy there. there, there's, there, there. There's a right time, a right way. There's a, a right understanding. There's a right spiritual eyesight, ears. Like there's, there's a right way to do it. We, we, like the, we like the version better. We will say we're, we're just planting a seed, right? We're planting, planting a seed. But even that, to me, is not, is not as detail-oriented. It's because I get seed every year in my yard. And I don't just, when I, when I get the seed, I spend a lot of money on seed. I don't just randomly walk into my yard and go, seed. <laughs> Making seed grow in a yard takes a lot of work. You got to aerate it. You got to put the right soil down. You got to spray it. You got to do the right thing. I don't just throw seed down and hope it grows. That's a waste of money. So I want to go deeper than just, I'm just walking around, just, just sowing a seed. We, we do that a lot. Hey, you know, Jesus, you should. Just keep walking. I'm talking about a deeper level, an understanding of, 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 of a relational level of, of sharing the gospel. There's, there's a difference Jesus is trying to share. That stuff's not bad, but being a fisher of men is, is different. In fact, if you cross-reference this story in Luke chapter 5, this is, how, this is how Luke explains it. He says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, same story, just different detail. He said, put out into, you see the word? I love this. Deep what? You got to go out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. You got to go deeper. You got to think deeper. And then if you go all the way to John chapter 21, which is at the end of, of Jesus' life, and his disciples, his disciples were fishermen never catching fish. By the way, a lot of church people never ever catching somebody with, with the gospel. We're fishers of, of men, but most of us don't ever catch anything. What we really are is, is uh, what I would call aquarium fish. You know what I'm talking about? And it's, it's nice. Like we got this water just right, just the right amount of salt. It's tropical in here. But I'm trying to get us out of, of the aquarium into the, into the waters, the deep waters. And you'll notice this, this in John chapter 21. I never noticed this, this phrase either. They weren't catching fish. Jesus tells us to go back out and do it again, right? Jesus stood on the shore. The disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered, right? He uses this phrase, throw your net on the, what is it? Go out into the deep waters and throw your nets onto the right side. Wow, there's strategy behind being a good fisherman. There's, so I want to teach you some strategy, some what I would call um, moments in your life you should be aware of that are opportunities for you to fish for people, for you to share the gospel with people. And what I want to do is I want to take you into one of my favorite stories in Scripture because I think it's, it, it's, it's, we miss the, the coolness of it a lot because we read it so fast and we're not part of the culture. But in John chapter 4, Jesus has this interaction with what the Bible calls the woman at the well. The woman at, at the well. And uh, what's interesting about the story is uh, the Bible tells us Jesus meets this woman, and they're at the well that's named after Jacob, 
who Jacob, if you read scripture, um, his past, his history is filled with lying and shame and, and, and all the areas kind of of our lives we don't want people to know about is God used Jacob, right? He worked through Jacob's life, but he had a lot of baggage in his life. So you have this woman coming to the same well that's named after Jacob, needing and, and, and the same things that, that, that he needed from God, she, she now needs from God. I want to show you this, this story because it's so good. John chapter 4, uh, verse number 7 says, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink. Now, I want to make sure we understand it's middle of the day. I don't have time to read the whole story, but the Bible tells us, and this is an important thing I want to come back to, it's, it's noon. Everybody knows what noon means, right? It means 12, 12 p.m. It's, it's noon. Jesus meets this woman and says to her, will you give me a drink, right? So I just want to if you ever come to church and you don't immediately understand everything that's being said to you, you're going to relate to this story. This woman's by herself. Jesus shows up. She doesn't know who Jesus is. And he asks her for a drink. Now, there's, there's, other, there's other things going on in this story she's probably thinking, right? And here's how we know. The Bible says his disciples had gone into, into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Here's why. They didn't talk to each other. They didn't like each other. They didn't associate together. You're a Jewish man. I'm a Samaritan. Usually you don't talk to us. You're here at 12 noon. No one else is around. What do you want? What's your agenda in this story? Jesus answered her. This sounds like a pickup line. If you knew the gift of God and he who is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Some Christian guy needs to write that down next time you're with a bunch of single Christian girls. I got some living water for you, right? I mean, we read it so fast. This, is, this lady doesn't know who this is. Sir, the woman says, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can I get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? As did also his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water is going to be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So Jesus just took this conversation and made it real serious. You have needs. I have something that can fulfill all of those needs. The woman said to him, sir... Give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Sweet. I don't want to come back here again. He tells her, okay, this is, this is, I love Jesus. He says, okay, go call your husband and come back. And watch her response. She says, I have no husband. Jesus says, you're right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. To which she says, Oh, crap. <laughs> you see it? This dude knows stuff about me that other people should not know about me. I'm going to show you something interesting in this story. There's what I would call the, the knots. I didn't make these up. I learned these years ago. I think Rick Warren made these up. You don't know who Rick Warren is. It's because you're young. And so... Um, <laughs> But if you're older like me, Rick Warren wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life. It's one of the greatest, greatest Christian books ever written. It's, just, it's amazing. It's profound. It's powerful. It's life-changing. And uh, he was one of the most practical pastors. Like, he, he, he is, he, to me, 
he, he began to change the culture of, of the church. Like he began to make it really practical, purpose-driven, right? Gospel-minded. And so he, he shared a message one time that I, that I listened to, and I was like, man, that's so practical. He called them the three knots to look for when you're fishing for people. The three knots to look for, the three opportunities. If you were a fisherman, you would call them the fishing spots. The, the spots where you see, where you go, man, that, 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 that spot right there, that's where you might catch some, some fish. And so let me just give you the three knots to look for. If you're going to walk in, in, in your faith and begin to share the gospel and be a 28, 19 believer, the first knot is this. Here's the first, the first moment you look for. When they do not currently go to church. Let me just, let me just, let me just, can I just beat this, this one like a dead horse? Can I just do that for a second? Which I didn't know you can do that. It's probably illegal, but I'm just like... Let me just beat the, like this one right here. Like when they do not currently go to church, when you are in the world and you're walking around the world and you're talking to people and you walk around and you meet somebody and they go to church, you instantly, if you are a follower of Christ and you're a fisher for men, you're going, mm, that's probably not a person that I want to invite to my church because they already have a what? One of you, right? They already have a church. We're not the only church. We're not the best church. We're not, we're not, we're not the, we don't, we don't have it all figured out. We're just one church. We, we can't reach everybody. We need a lot of churches reaching a lot of people. We don't do it the best way. This is just our way. You never, you'll never hear us say this is the best way. This is the church I want to come to, so we do church like that. If a new pastor came in, it would probably change. You'd be like, what are they doing? He's doing church differently according to what God had called him to do. We're not the best church. It's, I want to I teach you something. It's so important, and I want to show you this in this story. When you are a person who is on mission and you're sharing your faith with, with the world, you are constantly looking spiritually and going, okay, who do I know that doesn't currently go to church? You notice I didn't say a member of a church. You could be a member of a church like you're a member of Planet Fitness. I'm not even going to ask you, but I guarantee you, there's 50% of you are members of Planet Fitness. <laughs> right? I'm saying a faithful, um, involved, serving, growing follower of Jesus Christ that has a spiritual family that they're involved in and they're on mission with. So sometimes you meet somebody and they currently go to church. Here's what I do when, some, when I meet somebody that currently go to church. I most time know the pastor. We build other churches up. We tell the people, hey, you should stay right there. You should put down deep roots. You should serve that church. You should pray for that pastor. You should give as much money as you should give. You should be a part of changing the world right there in that church, in that area, whatever city that's in. That's how, that's how we do it. We encourage. We, 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 we build up. We, we, we cheerlead. We're, we're, one, we're one of many. But I want to show you something in this story because here, here's, here's, here's where I connect this. So the Bible says that this girl um, is at the well. You remember what time? Okay, tracking with me. Okay, she lives in the Middle East. How many of you think 12 o'clock noon is probably pretty hot? What she was doing is very common. Now, maybe in our day and age, you know, gender has changed a lot. But in that day and age, gender was very defined. And one of the things that, that, that was expected of the females was you go to the well and you get the water. Don't judge me. I'm just telling you what the Bible taught. Men were also expected to go support and make a living and take care of the family. And so maybe we can, you know, maybe don't yell at me yet. And so, uh, and so they would come and get, get, get water, right? But they would, they would typically come early in the morning, 
and then right before it got dark. That, that was the natural thing. Go get water, gather it for the family, maybe get water in the morning, set it out, let it heat up, right? Take a warm bath at night. But we would go early in the morning, we would go, we would go late at night. What time was she there? Okay, let's just, let's just dig some more. Okay, how many of you know females, even, even in our day and age, when they do things, they want to do it together? Am I right? Like it, shopping, let's just, let's, just, let's, just do, let's just talk about something. Shopping. I don't know the last time I called up my friends. I'm like, hey, Kyle and hey, Ian and hey, hey guys, want to go, go to the outlets and shop? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We don't do that. I go shopping by myself. I go right to the back. I go to the discount section. I buy it, kill it, drag it, take it home, right? We're not perusing all that stuff, right? My wife goes shopping. You think she wants to go shopping by herself? Nope. If she doesn't have one of you, guess who has to go? Me. You know if you're a dude, if you're ever in the store, you're walking around, you're making eye contact with other men. Everybody, just a little bit of them is dying right now, right? You just got to do it because your, your wife, wants, if, she, if, if, she, if she's doing something, she wants, to, she wants to go with people. And so the same thing is true. In that culture, you didn't get water by your, yourself. You went together. You went in the morning with your friends. You went in the evening with your friends. You caught up. You talked. You, 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 you humble brag. You, you know, whatever. Whatever's going on. You went there and you, got, and you got your water. And so here's the thing. Just the sheer fact it's noon, she's by herself, tells us, She's missing an important element of her life. Here's what it is, community. Church at its, at its core is supposed to be a family. We miss this a lot of times. It's supposed to be a village. We're supposed to be cheering each other on. We're supposed to be encouraging each other. We're supposed to be challenging each other. We're supposed to be at each other's houses, hanging out together. We're... We're supposed to be celebrating each, each other's kids' uh, accomplishments. We're, we're family. We cry together. We, we laugh together. We support each other. Somebody has a baby. The church, uh, people in the church make meals. You know how it works. You get 17 meals. You're like, dude, I'm done, right? Like, uh, somebody goes in the hospital. We give rides. Like, we, we buy giant cards for each other to get gas or wow, whatever it is. Like, a church that's functioning right has a deep level of love in it. And I would say when it gets it right, every person in the world needs it. So when you're inviting somebody to church, you're not just inviting them to a room. We could care less about this room. This is just a, this is just a warehouse. Where you're at in Montgomeryville, it's just a furniture store. The building is not the point. It's the people that are gathering together in the building that create this love, this family, this unity, this oneness, this deep care, this, this kindness, this generosity. Every person in our world needs that. We're not created to do life alone. I'm the biggest introvert you know. Truthfully, if you said to me, what would you like to do from today after you're done preaching until Friday, I would say sit in my basement in the dark by myself. I'll see you on Sunday. We'll do this again. <laughs> but the truth is it's not, it's not true because when I go downstairs in my, in, my, in, my, in my basement, I'm by myself. I pick up the remote and what do I do? I turn the TV on. And I watch my, 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 my shows. I watch my friends on Friends. I watch, I watch The Office a little bit. I watch a documentary and pretend I'm a superstar athlete. I, get, I do all that stuff. And then maybe I pick up my phone and I check out what you're doing and I laugh or I judge you and I swipe through, right? <laughs> If you took all that away from me and you said you need to sit by yourself, 
I would really quickly become an extrovert. I'm just a self-centered introvert. You know what I'm saying? This lady's by herself. There's a lot of people you come into contact with that are by themselves. They're lonely. They're looking for community. And when you see them, it's really, if you have spiritual eyes, it's, it's, you're asking, do they know Jesus? Am I the person who's supposed to share the gospel? Let me just ask you something. Do you have a spiritual family you're a part of? Do you have a place that feels like home? Do you have people that love you and support you? This is what Jesus sees. She's, she's by herself. Where's all her friends? This, she, she needs community. First one, when they do not currently go to church. When they do not co- currently go to church. Let me just give you a few more thoughts I see in this. Number, number two, um, when they're going through something they were not prepared for. When, they, when they're going through something they were not prepared for. Now, let me ask you something. If you live long enough on this earth, are you going to face things um, on this side of eternity that you don't know how or what to do with? You just don't, you, like, especially outside of an understanding you've been created and there's a God that's in control of your life and he can use good uh, or, or the bad things in your life for good if you put them in his hands. If you just take him out of the equation and you're all alone and you don't have a relationship with that God, then you're going to meet people consistently that are going through things that they're just not prepared to handle. So let me just show you this in her, in her life. So Jesus gets real serious with her. He says, hey, um, go get your husband, which um, she's not married, but in that day and age, when you slept with somebody, that was your husband. They didn't have this promiscuous culture where it was celebrated, right? Freedom. I just sleep around. You bought me McDonald's. I'll sleep with you. I owe you. I owe you my body, right? You did this for me. I, this is the only way I can get your attention. This is the only way I can keep you connected to me. Here, I'll give you this. And that culture, very rare. You were a virgin and you got married and you stayed with that person until you died. That was what the expectation was. And so if you were living like this, you were doing so in secret, you were isolated, you were ashamed, you had a lot of baggage in your life, that's why she was alone. She had a lot of people in the city uh, or town judging her, that's why she would come get water by herself. Like she lived a life that she was, man, it was, she was not prepared for. And so what Jesus says, he says, listen, it seems like you continue to give yourself to guys to find value and identity in them, and they're not giving you what you're looking for. But that's just the, that's just the top. Let's get to the root of the problem. Maybe the root of the problem is, if, if I'm honest, uh, maybe you had a dad that was never there, never spoke life into you, never treated you like a princess, never taught you you were a daughter of God. Can I get really serious with you? I got to wait till 1130 service. Maybe she was, she, she was molested at a young age. Maybe this is the only way she knows how to get attention and affection and, and love. And the truth is, what Jesus is trying to tell her is you've, you face some things in your life that you're not prepared to handle. And the only way you can get prepared to handle the things that you faced in your life is for you to understand there's been one that has prepared for your story before the foundations of the world. 
See, what happens is you have this awesome opportunity to have this amazing life. You look at life, and there's so much opportunity to have this amazing life. But without your understanding that you've been prepared for, that there's a God that loves you, it's like you don't have the instructions to to put together the life that God has for you. I'll say it like this. Years ago, uh, during 2020, I bought a new basketball hoop at Costco. And uh, I bought it on the hottest day of the year. Brought it home. Decided to put it together. That's love. I opened it up. I pieced it out. Got all the pieces. Put the pieces. Put the pieces on my retaining wall on my hat. Like, oh, just put them all out. Found the numbers. Got them all out. Got to the very bottom of the box. Got the instructions. I'm not playing. The instructions were in Chinese. So I got this beautiful picture of what this basketball hoop could look like. I got all these pieces sitting around, and I got instructions I don't understand. Got this amazing opportunity. I want a great life. I want to have a life and life to the full. You got all these pieces in your life, all these things, even the good things, the bad things, pieces that don't make sense. You have a Bible that tells you it's, that God's in control, that God can take every piece of your life and put it back together. But you're trying to figure it out on your own, and the truth is you're going through things and you're facing things that you have not been equipped or prepared to handle. And Jesus recognizes this in our life. And there's times you're going to find somebody and they're going to be going through stuff in their life and you're going to quickly realize the only way for them to get through this moment, the only way for them to find purpose, the only way for them to get what they need to get in this moment is for them to understand there's a God who's in control of every moment. They could be prepared. Let me just give you one more, one more knot. This, is, this, one, this, one's, this one's important as we end this. Uh, number three, um, when things in their life are not going well. So first, first one, when they do not go to church. Number, number two, um, when they're facing something they're, they were not prepared for, they can't spiritually handle. And then number three, uh, this, one, this one's important. When they're going through something, right, in their life, and it's not going well. So he, do you see... So he talks about our past, right? Here's your past. And then he says this. Then he says, oh, and, and by the way, uh, the guy you're with right now, this isn't turning out any different. I don't know if you've ever been there. Um, you have kids, and uh, they see crayons, right? They get, get kids crayons, and they, they're not toxic. And so a kid sees a crayon. And let's just say the crayon's red, and they take the crayon, and they bite it. Anybody already crayon eaters? And when they bite the crayon and they chew it, are they, are they ever like, oh, that was good. They're always what? Always disappointed. Right? So then what do they do? Well, they're kids. They go to the next crayon in the box. It's purple. I've had a grape at some point. Take the crayon out, bite it, eat it. Disappointed. Let me get try the blue one. All right? All right let me try the black licorice. Everybody loves black licorice. All right? And so, right? And they, it's all like... You, you, you bite it, it looks good, and it never turns out different. And so, like, this is, this is, like, this is like life. He's like, hey, you've had all these husbands, right? They haven't been your husbands. They've just been boyfriends. You wanted to be your husband, but, you know, they never married you because you never, you never expected that. Probably because you went through things you're not prepared for. And so now you have really low, low self-esteem, and you give yourself over to guys that don't value you the way that they're supposed to value you. And they end up treating you like you shouldn't be treated. And so now you're trying it again, Right? You're trying it again, and let's just be honest. This one's not going any better. You're dating him. Maybe it's secretive. Maybe you're ashamed. You're coming to the well by yourself. He won't even come with you to the well. Stuff is not going well for you. And I can't tell you how many times in life um, that when I'm living, that this is a segue into, into uh, 
sharing the gospel. So I, I've, never, I've never led somebody to the Lord or invited somebody to church when I've talked to them and be like, it's great, life is great. It's incredible. Hey, are you busy? Yeah, hey, you wanna add something into your life? Absolutely not. Every time somebody, uh, that I have an interaction with somebody, I end up meeting the Lord, every time, every time, every time. It's in the season when they had really high expectations for something and life has a way of humbling you and stuff is not going well. Trust, one more time. Maybe, maybe it's those friends. You know, you know that friend that just had that $80,000 wedding five months ago? You know what I'm talking about? They spent $3,000 on a cake, had gold dust from the, you know, the mummy of an Aztec sprinkled on it. You know what I'm talking about? They had the, the photographer, the photographer, the, you know what I'm talking about? They had, the, the, the photographer was $16,000. It was the pictures, right? Right? Like uh, uh, Taylor Swift and Jason Kelsey going to use that photographer for their wedding coming up. And like that person. And they got married. They had a perfect wedding. Like you can go look at their pictures. And they're five months in and stuff's not going what? It's not going well because nobody told them. Uh, after you're married, nobody cares. You just got to be married. And if you don't know grace and you don't know forgiveness and you don't know mercy and you don't know all those things found in Christ, you're going to have a hard time with that person because no, they're not perfect. Maybe, uh, maybe you have a friend or somebody, they got that job, that, 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 I'm talking that job they worked their entire life for. They worked so hard, they gave up so, and they got that job and they're in that job and it's just not going well. Like you can just think of all the situations. We get to the point, we get to the promised land, we get what we want, we have it all, and stuff still isn't going well. And Jesus sees that. And I love what he tells her. He says, hey, man, he says, you keep thirsting, and you keep drinking, right? But the well you're going to keeps leaving you thirstier. I don't know if you've ever read the last words of Christ, but one of the things he said on the cross is he said, uh, I thirst and I thought about that one time. In this situation, Jesus is going to go to the cross and Jesus is going to thirst so that this woman and us, that we could have our thirst fulfilled. We, we could have purpose. We could have rest. We could have peace. We could have joy. We, 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 we could have everything that Jesus earned for us on that cross. Stuff is just not going well. Let me give you, let me just close with this. I'll tell you, this, I'll, I'll just give you an example from my, from my life years ago. And so uh, I'm not going to use their name, so don't try to figure out who it is. And so I know how you church people are. And so, but all this stuff happened. This is, this is how I live my life. I don't talk to people about church that already go to church. We encourage them. And so I was living in this row home, and uh, there was six, six houses connected and right down the street from here. Heckle, Heckle Drive was my, was my street, and uh, lived in these row homes. And I moved into the middle row home before anybody else moved in. I don't know why I picked the middle, but I did. And so picked the middle row home, and then uh, a few months later, somebody on the end moved in, and then a few months later, somebody on the other end moved in, and we were like hitting the neighbor jackpot. Everybody, I loved them. I was like, this is awesome. We got these young families moving in. This is so cool, and then in between me and the one side, the single, the single girl moved in, and she was kind of working through stuff, and, and so she moved in, and she was kind of normal and nice, and then at the very end of everybody moving in, like a month later, we had this couple move in that completely changed the whole dynamic of our neighborhood. They moved in. Second day they moved in, um, they were in the house. Uh, I see, we have, we have this, this play area on the, at the bottom of our bottom floor. It's a play area, it's for kids, right? 
they don't have no kids. So I see his buddy carrying all this lumber. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he was like, I'm building a bar. It's going to be awesome. And I was like, oh, no. I was like, this whole neighborhood is about to change. It's very quiet right now. This dude's two days in building a bar. This is going to change the dynamic of this neighborhood. And so uh, he built a bar. He has all sorts of parties all the time. It got so bad that he was leaving notes on my door to let me know on Saturday night, hey, I'm going to have a party. It's going to be loud. I'm a pastor. I'm like, I got to go to bed. God, you got to move him. Like, this is not good. And so we, we kind of start this, this semi-relationship where we're, we're kind of talking. And um, it gets really gets close because when I was there, I was mowing my lawn. And even back then, I couldn't stand uh, grass not being, being cut. And so our lawns are very small. I was the only person in that, in that strip that had a lawnmower. And so I would go back in the back, not because I was being godly or gracious or kind, but I was so mad nobody was mowing. So I just started mowing everybody's lawn. I'm a control freak. It got so bad with this guy, so, so humorous, that at one point I was mowing it all the time. And he said to me one day, he knocked on the door. I remember like he said, I said, what's up? I said, what's up, man? He came out and he said, uh, hey, I'm having a party tonight. Think you get the backyard mode? <laughs> True story. We still laugh about it. So I mowed it and uh, they lived there for a few years and we started having conversations. He asked me what I did. And uh, I told him I was a pastor. I said, you should come to church sometime. And they came every once in a while. They would come to church. Him and his wife would come. They started having kids. And uh, we got closer and closer. We used to play soccer out in the, in the, in the road with our kids. And, and uh, we, we, had, we, 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 we talked about the Eagles. He, he was a, if you could think of Jersey Shore meets Philadelphia, dude. Yep, that was him. And so uh, we laughed a lot together. And then he moved one day. I was so mad. He moved out. And uh, I thought we were, our relationship was over. And uh, I didn't really talk to him for a few months. He wasn't really coming to church. He didn't grow up in church. Moved to, moved to a house, new dream house. Uh, marriage going to be great. Kids are going to, like all this stuff. And then he called me one day and he said, I'm going through something with my, my wife that I don't know how to handle it. I'm not prepared. He said, uh, she's living in a hotel right now and my marriage is not going well. So I was like, well, I was like, why don't you just come over? I remember my, Leah wasn't there. I don't know where she was. I was like, just come over. Uh, kids can, we can, kids can hang out and just come over. We'll just talk. And he came over and we just talked and I just looked at him. The first thing I said, I said, yo, listen, man, I've been telling you for a few years, you need Jesus. You're, you're going through stuff that you, you can't handle on your own. You can't fix your marriage on your own. But I, I promise you, if you would just yield your life, yield control, and put your faith in, in Jesus Christ, that I don't know how, because your wife's in a hotel right now, I don't know how it's going to happen. But I have enough spiritual optimism to believe that God can put your family back together if you would just give him your life. And he left, and a few weeks passed, and he came to church with his wife. And uh, I remember the day he was sitting in the second row right here. I hate looking right here, but and uh, not because of you, because of me. And so, <laughs> and he gave his life to the Lord. I, I remember the day, and then I got a chance to, to be a part of his baptism and watch him begin, begin to come to church consistently. And he was a part of our, him and his wife were a part of our team and he served in kids for a long time. And then 2020, he moved to Downingtown. And um, I think he's going to church up there. If I keep, 
if I can keep, keep in contact with him. And so, uh, but I think he's going to church out there. But I just remember that moment just thinking, man, that, this really does work. Like, Jesus, you really, you really can't change something. Like, he has no church background. I asked him a hundred times when life was going well. He started his career, just got married. I asked him a hundred times, you should come to church. Non-receptive. What happens? He's facing something he's not prepared for. Stuff's not going well. We got a place for you here. I I just want to tell you as as I close, um, maybe you're here today, and this is your story. You don't have a church. Um, Maybe you've never been to church before. Maybe you don't even understand what church is. Somebody bribed you to get here today. But I just want you to understand that seat you're sitting in right there, that seat, that has your name on it. This, 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 this is your church. You, you came in here, and I hope you felt it. You came in here as an insider. This place, we, we exist for people that are not yet here. We pray for you. We give for you. We serve for you. We believe for you. We believe your best days are ahead. I believe if you would just give Jesus Christ your, your life, that he could change you forever. And maybe you're here today and you say, yeah, my life is, is, is just not going well. Give it to Jesus. Maybe you say, I'm facing stuff in my past. I don't know how to get over. Give your life to Christ. He can heal you. He can make you whole. He can set you free. He can give you purpose. He can give you a love that you've never experienced before. Our world needs this message, amen? There's somebody in this room, somebody in Montgomeryville, this message is for you today. You've been feeling it. You're like, hey, it feels like he's talking to me. I'm not. Trust me. But the Lord is right now. He's knocking at the door of your heart. He wants a relationship with you. It's real. It's life-changing. It'll set you free. Would you stand to your feet? Would you do me a favor? And uh, maybe you've never done this before, but would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? No gimmicks. No gimmicks. No manipulation. I, I just don't want you to think about the person to your right or left. They don't, they don't matter right now. Not in an insensitive way, but in a, a relationship with God type of way. We all will stand before God one day. All of us. Us before God. And the Bible says that we will either be judged according to our actions, our thoughts, our mistakes, And you and I both know that if we're judged according to our life, that we don't meet the mark. Or we'll stand before God and we'll stand as a child adopted into his family through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when God sees us, he'll see Jesus. So this is not about the person to your right or left. This is about you. Let me ask you something. Do you know Christ? Is he growing in you? Are you changing? Are you filled with more joy, more more peace, more purpose in your life? Are you trying to do this thing on your own? And let's just be honest. If you're honest enough, and this is a great place to be honest, you've been doing it on your own for a long time, and it's just not going that well. You're facing things you're just not prepared to handle. There's a God that can. There's a God that will take you just as you are. 
He's not going to leave you that way. This place is about life and life to the full. We believe in the power of Jesus to not only save us from hell, but to give us a life filled with purpose, joy, meaning. But it all starts with the belief. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he came and died on a cross and sacrificed his life for you, a sinner. The Bible says while you're still a sinner, Jesus was dying for you. They took his lifeless body, his dead body, and they stuck it in a tomb. And the Bible says they tried to keep him gone. But on the third day, he did what he said he was going to do. He rose in power. And now it's through him that you and me, we can have life and life to the full. We can live in freedom. We can have purpose. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing. That's what you did. You heard the word of God. And then you begin a relationship with God through his son, Jesus. When you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. And that's what we're going to do. I don't know Christ. I don't know Christ. But I believe he's real. I can feel him knocking at the door of my heart right now. I don't want to live one more second without him. I don't want to go through one more day without him. Today, I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Listen, I can't decide that for you. But I want to celebrate that with you today. I want to celebrate freedom. I want to celebrate hope. I want to celebrate forgiveness. I want to lead you in a simple prayer. I don't know Jesus Christ, but I need to. I want him to forgive me, heal me, and make me whole. Front to back, side to side, here in Montgomeryville. I don't know Christ, but I want to. I don't know Christ, but I want to. I don't know Christ, but I want to. I'm not worried about the person to my right or left. I don't know Jesus Christ all over this house. If that's you, would you do me a favor? A little bit of courage, a little bit of faith, a little bit of desperation. I need my life to be changed. If that's you, would you just shoot your hand straight towards heaven and say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus, but I need to. I need him to heal me. I need him to forgive me. I need him to set me free right now in this moment. I, I, I need freedom in this moment. If you're in Montgomeryville, you would say, hey, Pastor, I know I need Christ. I need him right now. Stuff's not going well. Um, stuff, stuff isn't, I'm not prepared for it. I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. I'm going to give you one more second, and then we're going to pray. Here's what I want to do. Um, maybe everybody in this place already knows Jesus. I want to pray that God does something in our church. I prayed this first service, and uh, first service typically has only Christians in it. That's just the way it is. Like Christians are up at 8 o'clock in the morning coming to church. So I just prayed a prayer, and I want to pray the same thing. I, I want it to almost become weird when you come to church by yourself. I want to, I want to pray that God would make it such a common thing for us to, to be people that are inviting and bringing and impacting. Lord, it's, it's almost common for us to be bringing people with us to church. It's almost weird when we don't. Like, I can't imagine what that would be like in our church. So I'm going to pray that happens in this service. There's a lot of believers. You're in a neighborhood. You're at work. You're uh, on a sports team. You go to a school, and you're not there by accident. You've been sent on purpose. The Bible says to be a light to this world. So both here in Montgomeryville, would you just pray something like this with me? You don't have to repeat after me, but maybe just pray to yourself. Uh, Jesus, would you just give, uh, give us eyes to see right now would you help us to see the bible, the bible says without vision we cast off restraint so would you give us spiritual eyes to see what it looks like to live our life filled with purpose lord would you give us eyes to see our neighbors and our co-workers and our family and, and everybody we come into contact with the way you see them 
And Father, would you, would you give us um, a deep desire and, 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 a, and a true north, Lord, or will we understand uh, that we have the amazing opportunity. We, we, we have an amazing privilege of sharing your gospel to the point where it almost becomes odd and weird when we come here alone. It becomes the new norm in our church. Uh, that we, we are inviting people into your presence. We're seeing lives change. We're seeing families change. We're seeing schools change. God, we're seeing, we're seeing neighborhoods change. We're seeing towns change. Lord, God, you did it back then. You can do it again. Lord, thank you in advance for what you're doing. Lord, I pray for somebody in this room. Maybe they didn't respond. Maybe they were afraid. Lord, I have to believe in a, in a, in a room this size with this many people, both here in Montgomeryville and even joining us online, that maybe there's just one person. Maybe just to themselves right there, they would just say a simple prayer. Jesus Christ, I know you're real. I feel you tugging at my heart. You can have control. They don't need a long, drawn-out prayer. They don't need a repeat-after-me moment. Well, just a simple prayer, a contrite spirit. Jesus Christ, I need you right now. And the Bible says when we call on you, you'll answer. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for how you're equipping us and getting us ready for the next season, Lord. Thank you for how you continue to work in this place. We love you. Your presence will never get old. In Jesus' name we pray all over this house. Would you shout amen? amen. Let's clap together. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, Visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.